What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Picture Book Look podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirstie Call. Together we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kim. Hey, Kirstie. This week's book is really going to float your boat. I totally agree. This week's book, Adrift, written by Heidi E.Y. Stemple, illustrated by Anastasia Suvarova, is about a little mouse alone and afraid at sea who finds comfort when he finds others alone and adrift also. This book feels like a warm hug to the world right now. I definitely agree. And we all need warm hugs to make up for all the ones we missed out on over COVID. Yes. We need more hugs. <laughs> We're excited to talk to Heidi and her editor, Hannah Mushebeck. Let's talk. I'm going to start by asking you a question, Heidi. Okay. Can you tell us where the inspiration from this story came from? Okay. So the inspiration was really early in the pandemic. And I mean, if you read Adrift, it's not a secret that it's a book about the pandemic, but I hope that it's a larger book than that. It's about community. But early on in the pandemic, I know that a lot of families were stuck indoors together and everyone was really afraid, but I happened to be an empty nester and a single mom. So I was in my house alone. I was in a group chat with a group of my friends and my friend, Nina, who is also an author illustrator, Nina Victor Crittenden said within the larger context of the conversation, we may be in our own boats, but we're all in the same storm together. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Nina didn't make it up. She had read it somewhere. I believe it's a famous quote. And I went to bed thinking about that quote and I woke up 
thinking about that quote. And my writer brain knows I've been writing for 27 years. I grew up in a writer family. My mom is writer, Jane Yolen. Both my brothers write. My grandfather was a writer. My uncle is a journalist. I know that when you cannot stop thinking about something, it means you need to write it. And so I woke up and I grabbed my computer and I wrote one tiny mouse in one tiny boat. And as it turns out, you know, I tried to make it into a little kid and I tried to make it into the story from the boat's point of view. And none of that worked. You can think about why that wouldn't work. And it really, it turned out that my first instinct for whatever reason, did I dream it? Did it just pop into my head that way? I've stopped questioning why writing shows up the way it does. I just let it happen. And that's how it started. And I didn't know where I was going. And I had been writing a lot of poetry as therapy for myself. And it could have been that. And I read it to that same group, I think that night. And they encouraged me very much to to keep working on it and make it into a story. And so I did. It was helpful to me because it made me feel like there was going to be an arc to this story that alone and afraid wasn't forever and that I had these people around me who were in this same storm with me and they understood what I was doing, even if their circumstances weren't different. And I really did worry about the kids and what they were going through, but it really translated onto the page. And I'm glad that it wound up translating into a book. It's beautiful. Hannah, what was it specifically for you about this story that made you want to acquire it? So I was in a similar position as we all were at that time. I was living in Boston in my tiny apartment and then decided that no outdoor space living in an apartment building was too much. So I was going to temporarily move back home to my parents' house. And my older sister did the same thing. She was in Brooklyn, New York. She was stuck in an apartment with her two kids. So all of a sudden, I found myself, seven of us in my childhood home, including two children, all trying to juggle work. And at that point, we were just trying to help each other out. We would like work three hours and then we would take a childcare shift. You know, when this manuscript came to me and Heidi and I, for context, have been friends for many years and it has always been my dream to work on one of (laughs) Heidi's books. So I've sort of, I've been waiting, you know, I've been waiting. This manuscript came at a time that was really terrifying. My nibblings are young. They were one and four at the time. So, you know, we were trying to navigate a conversation with them without bringing in statistics or masks or ideas of these big, scary germs. We used Heidi's manuscript. It was really amazing because... I didn't um, know that. Yeah, yes. So it was, yeah, I mean, of course I read it by them immediately. I mean, I personally, as an adult, was so touched by it, but I really wanted to make sure that it translated for children. My nephew was really upset that he didn't get to see his friends. He didn't understand why he wasn't in Brooklyn anymore. He thought, you know, when is this vacation going to end? And we read the book together. And, you know, at the end of it, he was like, wait, so you know, soon I'll be able to see all my friends just like the little mouse. And, you know, and at that point I was like, this is, this is it. Like, this is absolutely a book that we need for the world. But also, you know, I think so many of us learned that community is so important, but doesn't necessarily involve physical distance. I mean, you know, I connected with so many people around the world 
who I hadn't been in touch with for years, but suddenly needed to speak to and reconnect (laughs) with, you know, in the first few weeks of lockdown, it was incredible. And so, you know, I think I felt incredibly supported by all of these human connections that were going through the same thing. And that really translated into finding an illustrator because, you know, one of the challenges of finding an illustrator is that we really want to match you know, the experience is the sentiment of the story with someone, you know, me personally, I think, you know, representation is so important. So we really want it to match up with the lived experience of the illustrator. But in this case, there really wasn't very many people who weren't affected by the pandemic. Um, So that piece of it, you know, kind of just slotted into place and the illustrator, you know, immediately understood what was going on and shared her experiences, which you know, I think we're a lot harder because she is located in Russia. And I think there was, you know, even less communication and even less feelings of safety. How did you find Anastasia? So there's a lot of different ways that I find illustrators. I mean, you know, firstly, social media has grown to be such a huge part of that. I find hundreds of illustrators on Instagram that I'm just obsessed with. The internet has really opened up the world. I tend to want to give opportunities to women illustrators. So I also use the site Women Who Draw, which I think is just a wonderful database for anyone who's looking for an illustrator. It's it's a great way to find people and it's it's really global. It's all over the world. That's great. That is great. So Heidi, you've packed so much emotion into one little mouse's journey and you've done it so beautifully. Can you give us a look into your writing process? I think my writing process is always sort of the same. And this book is no different is that I sit down to write not knowing where I'm going and I just go because everything can be fixed and changed later (laughs) and I I often completely change things many many of the words changed since the first draft but it had the arc that I wanted that is much more important than the words in a first draft of a story (laughs) I literally got out of my bed sat on the sofa and wrote through to the end. And I do that often, even with longer pieces. And like I said, it's not good yet. I follow the characters often. I don't know where I'm going, or maybe I do know where I'm going, but I'm not sure how to get there yet. And that was really what I did. And then, you know, I've read it to a bunch of people and I had suggestions and I never listen at first because of course I'm a hundred percent right. And then I listen right after that. And I really take on board people's suggestions. And once it went to Hannah and Hannah and I got into it, we actually switched it from One Tiny Mouse or One Tiny Boat was the original title. And we both decided that was definitely just a working title. And I think I texted her like, what about a drift? <laughs> and she said, yes, such a great it. title. There's really a lot is. of tweaking that goes along. And I really believe that the moodiness of the country, the moodiness of the world translated into what I was saying. Like I said, I was writing a lot of poetry, some of which I can't read now because it makes me cry. I was really processing my own emotions just on the page and had no idea if this was going to be one of those. Because as you read it, it's written a little bit like a poem. Yes. And that was the way my brain was working at that time. But I like to think about books instead as the way to open conversations. Yes. And I think this book really does that. There's something really powerful about reading a picture book and then being able to discuss feelings that children may not be able to discuss otherwise. Um, Hannah, is there anything else about the editing process for this story? Well, it should be said 
that Heidi is also a very talented editor on top of being an author. So this is I, true. I, I know it personally. <laughs> I do feel like this was a pretty unique case. One of the magical things about working on this book with Heidi is that because I was home in my hometown and Heidi lives not far away, Heidi was one of the very few people that I saw during the pandemic. Oh, wow. You know, wonderful. We, we wrapped up and we sat on my porch in the freezing cold and we were able to have like a real in-person conversation about some of the you know changes that we decided to implement in the book and then our hopes and dreams for it. So it was really unlike anything else that I was working on. And it was also sort of my joy project. But we really felt like this was a really timely book. We felt like children needed it now. So we had a very sped up process. How long did it take to get this book? From acquisition to publication. Was it a year? Wow. A little longer. (laughs) Anna, when someone reads Adrift, what do you hope they feel or learn? I mean, for me, reading Adrift, I just immediately thought of the communities that I exist in, you know, whether it's the queer community or it's my family or if it's my physical neighborhood where suddenly people were walking past each other's houses saying hello, checking on each other, bringing toilet paper, you know, if we were out. (laughs) I really hope that children come away from this, you know, wondering who is my community and how can I connect with them? I agree. I think it definitely does help you want to connect with other people. And it reminds me of that moment that we had been inside for so long and isolated for so long. And I think we'll all kind of remember that first person that we hugged that wasn't like living in your household and that moment. And like, and right now I'm fighting back tears because I remember that was my mom. I never wanted to let go. And There is joy. And I think it's joy and it's hope that no matter if you're in the darkest sea or if it's a dark moment in your life, there is that moment where the storm passes. A big thank you to Heidi and Hannah for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for Adrift. Check out the show notes to learn more about Heidi and her other fabulous books. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And we would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening and happy looking. Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call.